0: Hello and welcome to A Word on Plays, your super sexy script analysis podcast. My name is Amy Gang, I'm your host, and this month I'm talking to Kelly Rogers-Flint about Keen Wen's She Kills Monsters. If you haven't seen or read this play, um, that's fine. You have time. You can pause this and come back to us later after you've read it but also uh, you don't have to, to enjoy this podcast. Um, Since I recorded this podcast, uh, my life has gotten a little bit more complicated and weird. And so it took me a while to put this one out. You should be able to still catch her work as dramaturg on the nerd at Taproot or on Bainbridge Island at Indie theater for their show, Hay Fever. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe on the podcasting network of your choice, like us on Facebook, review us wherever you see fit, and tell your friends. Okay, I'm with Kelly Rogers Flint, who is a Seattle-based director, dramaturg, anything else? You do it
1: all <laughs> uh, yeah. No, not quite. Um, I've done some choreography in my time as well. Oh, cool. And um, producing and little, you know, um, especially in youth productions where you often have to wear many hats. Yeah. Uh, I'll pretty <laughs> much anything except music direction. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I'm very not comfortable with music direction either, <laughs> or music in general. <laughs> um, but okay, good, great. And we're sitting here talking about Keenwen's uh, She Kills Monsters. Which I'm very excited about. So, would you like to start us off with like a brief summary, spoilers
1: and all? Um, Sure. Okay. So, um, this is a a modern play um, based um, mid '90s, and um, the main uh, character is Agnes Evans, um, who has had a very recent trauma of her parents and younger sister being killed in a car accident, and um, in processing what's happened. Um, she's going through the old stuff and finds this journal of her younger sisters. But it's not an ordinary journal, it's her Dungeons and Dragons journal. And so she sets out on this mission to get to know her sister better mm-hmm. um, by um, delving into this adventure in the journal of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So finding the Dungeon Master and like trying to recreate the whole game that her sister had created with all the characters and the scenarios. Um, you know, yeah. and, and in the magic of the play Gets to interact with The character She kind of immerses like, herself yeah, yeah, It's like the ghost of her sister almost um, mm-hmm. Getting to, to play Through the version of Dungeons and Dragons With her sister um, All in the quest to get um, To know her better
0: Yeah, that's basically the story And she kind of works through All her feelings I've I loved this play, I've seen it which is not usual for this podcast, like I almost never <laughs> have recognized the plays, but I saw this play and immediately fell in love with it because it's the kind of theater that I love to do. And you and I met through uh, Micah, who does like, they call it geek theater, right? <laughs> <laughs> really a lot, nerdy a lot of theater.
1: alternate universe, fantasy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's
0: creative stuff. But it, and it's yes. a play about Dungeons and Dragons, but it's mostly about her working through her trauma and her right. loss.
1: Yeah. um, She does an incredible job of discussing the world of Dungeons and Dragons in a way that is accessible to someone who has never played, doesn't know a thing about it other than it's a game, role-playing game that people do. Yeah. Um, But yet includes enough details that I think people who are Dungeons and Dragons geeks um, will feel satisfied. And that is a really tough ask because it is such an intricate world with so many rules and the way that it operates and works. There, there's, it's an elaborate, yeah, universe of its own. You, My son's a dungeon. Oh, master. okay. I was gonna so, say, do you play or? I no? don't play, um, but I vicariously hear a lot of it <laughs> of being a dungeon master. That's um, awesome. So, um,
0: but yeah, it is a tough ask. It's like it's kind of that weird bridge of accessibility, right? Like.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it is someone who, who really doesn't know anything about it, it's not at all um, a problem in accessing the story of what's happening. You're right. completely able to follow. It does flip-flop back and forth between reality versus gameplay, mm-hmm. um, but in a very cle- clear way. You, you know, the um, real-life people yeah. are playing the game, and they have different character names in the game. But they were often... um, Yeah. So closely associated.
0: So that was interesting Mm -hmm. to me because she... Like, the main character, Agnes, is obviously trying to sort through some stuff. And it becomes... Throughout the play, becomes less obvious to her where reality ends and where this Dungeons & Dragons begins. And, like, she kind of picks up things about her sister through the Dungeons & Dragons and convolutes that with something that might have been real. Mm -hmm. But... There are, like, there are very... It very abruptly goes from we're in the Dungeons & Dragons world slaying monsters to we're in a school. Yeah. yeah Um, Yeah. And I, I don't know if I, like... I think maybe that, like, one of the few catches that I felt like I wasn't totally clear on was how you do that in a way like how would I do that if I were the director of that play do that transition in a way that wasn't totally like shut off all the lights everybody shuffle around you know um because you are just like abruptly dropping her back into reality Um,
1: right yeah those transitions and because it's not just one or two it's mm -hmm. like 10 or 12 it's pretty constant um, throughout um, the play yeah would be the challenge. Um, I do think lighting would have to be a major player mm-hmm. in that, um, especially because you could do really cool lighting when you're in the alternate yeah. universe. Um,
0: I think that the Dungeons & like, Dragons universe lends itself to some really cool design choices that could possibly mm-hmm. help with that. But um,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would think you would have, have to do some very careful blocking and hope that you're ending the scene in the alternate reality with movement that could then have a quick fade in and out, where it gives them a chance where they're already in motion, where the people that need to leave and not be there can get off, and this yeah. who's then transitioning to the real world can get to the. Um, and
0: I'm sure that I'm sure that people is, are doing know? that. Yeah, I'm sure that people mm-hmm. are doing that. It, 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 well, <laughs> I just couldn't. When I'm like picturing it in my brain, I'm like, oh. Okay. Where are we?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it would definitely need um, some careful consideration and the constraints of a theater, you know, do you have a fly system? What can you know, what, what things can you do to, mm-hmm. to quickly um, switch in and out? Um, maybe there is a specific music sound thing that happens when you're going between the two worlds. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Twilight Zone. <laughs> a sound, right, that connects you between, oh, you're here, it's true. oh, you're there. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't think it would have to be long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot can happen in three or four seconds. True. Yeah. But it, just some kind three of three or four seconds thing. can
0: feel like a long time if <laughs> you can. if you do yeah. them wrong.
1: <laughs> that is true. So yeah, there. Um, it would have to probably be multiple things working in conjunction with very good um, timing. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's talk about Agnes because she's obviously our entree into this world, and. I, I mean, I felt like her character had the biggest, greatest arc. Um.
1: Yeah, she's the one that's on the journey here, Yeah, for sure. She's, yeah. She's um, the one taking the, the journey, um, you know, and it's, it's one of those... It's presented as this learning about her sister, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of self-discovery that goes on for her as well, Yeah. Um, both in how she relates to her boyfriend, Miles, and expectations mm-hmm. of what's happening there, and in realizing her own part of why there was a distance between her and her sister. Yeah. So it's... You know, I, I felt that, I mean, I felt like that was a
0: huge theme too, was the idea of grief sometimes being a very selfish thing rather mm-hmm. than like... Very, turning grief from a selfish she turns her grief from something selfish into something constructive mm-hmm. and reaches out to her sister's friends and like learns more about her sister and i thought that was it was surprising to me her her journey in this play cuz i was like we're going to go into
1: a dungeons and dragons play how yeah. fun but but that shows you how how big the chasm was between them. The mm-hmm. fact she didn't know her sister's friends. Yeah. I mean, I think of my sis. I know my sister's friends, and we live 2,000 miles apart. <laughs> you know, so. Well, her
0: sister was in high school, and mm-hmm. she has graduated she, college. She, right. So she, they've got a nice little gap yeah, between them, mm-hmm. and probably. I mean, I have two brothers. Uh, the youngest of which I had graduated high school. Once he got into high school, mm-hmm. I moved away. So his high school experience is not familiar to me at all um and thinking like if I had lost him or like never talked to him after after I'd gone away like that would have that would have been a huge gap
1: yeah. um but it sounds like she stayed fairly local
0: yeah I so I don't that, know Or
1: you know we don't know yeah we speculate you know um but of course college is a very self-absorbed time it's true <laughs> so you know <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, that time of your life, right? You're right, doing your own thing, being independent, so, trying to learn how to be see, a, not wanting to to be back in that high school world. But um, it, you know, there was just a lot she didn't know about her sister. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, it's very interesting to watch her go on that that journey of um, you know. Of discovering the, the things that her sister was passionate about and really involved in, you know, she enters the game first quite reluctantly. She doesn't want to take a different name. Yeah, So she ends up with the, Agnes the Ass Hatted <laughs> um, because she is um, being stubborn about yeah. doing it the you know the way gamers would do. Right. She's not. She's not immersing herself. She's not all in, she's she's not not all in yet mm-hmm. at the beginning. But then you know you see that progression. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, she does start to play the game. She does start to figure out how things work in that universe.
0: And she gets, like, really emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I hear that a lot from other people who play Dungeons & Dragons. That, that It's a really great way to kind of work through things and think about things in different ways. Right. Well,
1: if that's the thing, This Dungeons & Dragons is a different sort of game because... Even though you may be in a different quest when you're starting mm-hmm. a new round or whatever... Um, you're with your same people so the establishment of these relationships and it goes on and on and it builds and becomes strengthened and they become you know a second family kind of your gamer family sure it's not like you know you playing some other game where you could be playing with different people all the time or you know and it starts and stops and has more of a finale Um, Dungeons and Dragons kind of it has this carryover and so there's history there's, you know, and as you level up and all the, the things you've survived together with your different teammates as you go through the quest. So it just layers. Yeah. It just feels layers upon layers upon layers. And so I can imagine it was hard to jump in as a newbie.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, when I first started playing, I was very confused, too. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, and the
1: others didn't give her a great will. No. Well, the others
0: were, in reality, if we're looking Mm -hmm. at this away from the immersive world, Mm -hmm. in reality, the others is just Chuck, right? It's just this guy she hired. She's completely, like, trying to shut everybody else out throughout this whole process, right? She gets out, like, pushes her boyfriend away. She doesn't even
1: tell him that she's doing it. Right. It's very secretive.
0: Right. Which is part of the humor of the whole thing.
1: Right. yes.
0: There's a lot of humor in this play. It's a very like campy humor too. There's some like really dorky (laughs) jokes Mm -hmm. in there. I I mean I found Chuck. So Chuck's supposed to be a high school student, right? Right. Um, I don't know. How do how do you feel about him? Because that was a really.
1: Um, you know, um, he's one of those that comes in and out. An influi- it almost feels like it's a tool that the author is using when she needs it. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think he could have had more influence and a little more input, but it's almost like he's waiting to be tapped.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, he's a—he's hi- supposed to be a high school boy. and
1: he I think is- he's probably
0: older than Tilly, though. I think, okay. I mean, he was That's s- fair. He was a senior. Like a senior, 17, 18. Yeah. He's still showing a lot of, like emotional, um, I want to say maturity, but not even that, just like intelligence, like an immense amount of emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence helping uh, Agnes through this like process. And I don't know if that totally rang true. I felt like maybe it was the author telling.
1: That's what they needed. Yeah, um, (laughs) 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 we need
0: somebody to tell this lady that. (laughs) I'm I'm
1: a parent high school senior right now. Okay. And um, it runs the gamut. I That's tell fair. Right now, on emotional intelligence, at that age, <laughs> <laughs> um, it it really does. Everybody, um, but the fact that he's a dungeon master, maybe tells you that this person is someone who can be committed, who has leadership skills, um, you know, that follows through, that knows how to prioritize, that is, you know, there's there's a little bit of extra mm-hmm. there. They're Understands not, character not and as, personality, and as many high schoolers might be. Okay, um, when you have, I mean, you have a schedule if you play Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. and you have to be protective of it. You can't, if you're the Dungeon Master, you can't just blow it off because a cute girl waved at you. You want to <laughs> get frozen yogurt, right? Yeah, right. So um, I think he does have a little bit of a level of of maturity there because he's been committed to this game, and it's, it's given him responsibility, and there's nothing like responsibility to make you grow up.
0: True. Very true. Um ah. so,
1: yeah. Maybe, maybe a touch of that, but, you know, still quite a stretch um, as well, because we don't really know his age. It was necessary, though, yeah. right? Like, yes. A... Yes, because he, he was the conduit, the connection between the two worlds for Atlas. Um, right. So he, he was a very important part there. It was sweet. It was a sweet relationship. Very. Adorable, right? Um, well, and I think he shows his immaturity sometimes, with especially with the interactions when Miles, when the boyfriend comes into the picture. Yeah.
0: Cause they, they, they,
1: you know, because Miles is making this the allusions to there's something going on between them, and blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, was that an option?" So, right. You, know, you, you get little windows. Oh, there's the high schooler. Right. There's, that. there's that boy. Okay.
0: Um, did, were there any characters? I, like, how did you feel about the characters? Were there any specific characters that really like did it for you? how fun was it? Um, I don't know.
1: well, um, a lot of the other characters in the games tended to, uh, to be kind of archetypes, you know, yeah, they kind of were um, filling specific roles, doing you know. They didn't get to have as much of their own individual storylines, which in a play of this length, they just can't.
0: Right. It's not um, a very long play. Um, oh. So
1: that, um, you know, they, they were int- they, they did add flavor. Yeah. I will say they <laughs> added a lot of flavor. It would be um, fun to costume th- this. <laughs> it, it would be super fun to costume it. And I think from an actor's perspective, it'd be really fun to play, some, you know, especially some of these badass women characters, you yes. know, that are really wielding the power and the swords and the, you know, so um, I appreciate that, that they, you know, could be something that they could really have fun with. Um, I don't think every character in the play has to have that kind of emotional depth. Um,
0: I agree. And I mean, part of that emotional depth comes from the actors you bring into the play. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it has to, you know, you can't. Mm -hmm.
1: But then, you know, you get little windows into it. You see um, uh, Lilith. Reaction when Tilly is hurt in the game. Yeah, um, um, and you can see that there, there's something there. There's you know stronger, a deeper connection than right. you might than just gaming.
0: She and Tilly are in the game, are in a relationship. Right. In real life, are perhaps not. Uh, yeah, awesome. this is
1: kind of a window into, I think, what draws a lot of people to role-playing games like Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons because. You get to create an alternate reality of your fantasies. Yeah, what you you can make that, that person that you've had the crush on forever be your partner in this alternate reality. Mm-hmm. You can make those mean cheerleaders at school into succubus. <laughs> so you know, wow, who doesn't want to do that? Yes, have, yeah, have fun with you know making uh, fun of the people that have hurt you, or and then you know having a little fantasy world of oh. If, this is who my, my dream partner would be, and this is what mm-hmm. it would be like if we were together. So
0: I think uh, I think that the playwright was also having fun with this play, specifically just to, like, what if I put a gelatinous cube on stage? And
1: right. like <laughs> random,
0: I, it seems like it would be hard to produce. And yet some of the biggest producers of this play are some of the smallest. smallest
1: smaller. Theaters. yeah at yeah. least well, I, you know here's the thing um you have to be willing to suspend a lot of mm-hmm. reality to enjoy this show yeah um but people that are into dungeons and dragons do that really well true true so um using your imagine you know it's something theater does all the time ask people to suspend um belief for a moment and just join us Mm-hmm. You know, meet us halfway, and you know, and
0: nobody's coming in into the, the theater and you saying, know. "Well, your your effects weren't like that great." Right. Well,
1: it's just like you know, all the time when there, you get to something that can't be done, and you go into a shadow puppet mm-hmm. type, thing. you know, yeah. people, people have to do that all the time in in shows because, well, you know, we can't actually we can't do make a flying cheety chitty bang bang across the stage or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. So right, you have to come up with an alternate way to to show. Something, so um, I think audiences know that and they accept Mm -hmm. that, and and I think they appreciate when um, a production team comes up with a creative way to do it. Yeah. So I think it just you know takes a little ingenuity, (laughs) you know, and some things may be harder than other, and. If you're in a city that has a lot of community theater, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sharing that goes on. It's true. People will be saying, oh, hey, who has a five-headed dragon costume? (laughs) Who has a... (laughs) And people rent and share and loan Mm -hmm. and borrow and... All the time. All the
0: time. We've got our little Facebook communities. Well, and, and, you know,
1: and, and then sometimes a theater might you know go all out and build something great, and then they don't have anywhere to store it. Right. And so they're like, hey, is anybody else doing this sometime soon? I've got this. Come get <laughs> um, yeah. it. Sure. <laughs> and I'm Sure. Like, Heck yeah. You need the Rapunzel's Tower. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't,
0: I know, I'm going to dismantle it. Come get it. I've spent a lot of time on Craigslist just running around picking up random pieces of material for a show that I was trying to do and yeah mm-hmm. I see I oh, see it all the time all,
1: all of our <laughs> stuff from Adam's family i all over see oh only. dear you <laughs> can get pieces from different people there's um, like, this,
0: like a few costume pieces that everybody's like put in their show at some point <laughs> yeah you see it Oh, that's, that looks familiar <laughs> but it's not just I mean it's not just community theater and fringe theater like big theaters rent out all the time too it's yeah, not that's true Um, we just
1: have to. It's a better way to do things. Yeah, Yeah. and and, yeah, they share. We we've rented from Seattle Children's Theater before. Sure. Um, just doing a production at at a middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, because they had some cool stuff that we could use. They're usually happy to share it, you know, and that's extra revenue for them. But it saves you money from not having to build from scratch. That's great. You know, that's why people say theater is family. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really is because everybody's you know. It's not a competitive thing. People not, are no, on the not same really. Team, you know, kind of. Yeah, we want Sometimes. to Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Well, there may, you know, yeah, there there can be some individual things here and there, but by and large, people want the theater community in their city to thrive.
0: Yeah. And they want for sure. to have
1: lots of great theater because they know that if someone goes to see a show and it stinks, mm-hmm. that might. Turn them Prevent off. Prevent them from coming out to see your next show.
0: Yeah, and we already have so few people coming to shows as it is. <laughs> it's such a small audience of dedicated theater yeah, uh, it's, attendees. Yeah, um,
1: it, it's still um, a work in progress to get people to um, venture out beyond the big names. Mm hmm. Um, to see uh, yeah, the non-union shows that's, uh, and that's um, upsetting and to me but of kind of each theater kind of has its own little following but to get crossover mm-hmm. is um it can be tough it can be very and, tough um, for sure and I think the the biggest ways that they can people can bridge that is by including people either on your artistic team or in your cast from other areas Because I will go see my friends in shows. Sure. The places that I might not have gone otherwise. I'm I'm not driving down to Renton Civic from (laughs) my house. Right. It's It's, a hall.
0: I lived in Lake City and worked at Renton Civic. And every day that whole, though, it was awful.
1: But (laughs) if there's, you know, someone, you know, near and dear to me. there, I'm going to be there. Sure. So I think that's one of the things that theaters can do is to try, um, you know you kind of end up with your your favorites yeah that you've worked there that you know you work well with and mm-hmm. but to to mix it up sometimes right well and on a larger
0: scale a theater in general needs to work better at mixing it up right like we need right. to bring in people from we want we want to bring in people from younger generations and from different like ethnic communities
1: we all of it have an
0: old white problem yeah. and that um, goes
1: for both sides of the table sure um, yeah I'm, I'm on the board of a, of a theater that has traditionally been very very white mm-hmm. and they were wanting to do a show that it would need black cast members and i just told them straight up i was like if you want to get those people to come out to audition mm-hmm. you're gonna have to show them that you're serious about this and that starts with including people of color Behind the table. Everywhere. The Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, a bit stymied about, well, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you we got to start. Get yep. some invitations. You know.
0: Walk up to people and start talking to them. That's <laughs> it, the fir- there's it, always a first step, right? Yep.
1: So, um, so hopefully that's, that's something that's you know a bit of a setback with covid with things being shut down for a while and everything was set and back and that, with covid yeah that makes it really tough that um, that makes the dollars really small sometimes yeah, and so yeah. You, you end up with the um
0: but uh this, this place specifically and this uh key when Nguyen and um, his theater company, which is called Vampire Cowboys in New York, are they do specifically <laughs> geek theater, and their mission statement, I was looking on their website mm-hmm. earlier today, their mission statement was about bringing in people who, like, using pop culture and, like, mm-hmm. quote-unquote geek theater, like superheroes yeah. and um, nerdy stuff uh, right. to to kind of help bridge the gap, that,
1: you know. Yeah. Well, the beauty of this play is, People of all races can play every single part. It, yeah, there, there it really are zero is. restrictions on how this would be cast that way.
0: Yeah, um, and one of them has to have horns, but that's you know. That can
1: be solved, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it's I mean, really the only not. The thing you have where you have a couple that need to be a little bit older. Mm, hmm Um, but of course, you know, hair and makeup can take care of a lot of a lot of things.
0: If it has to, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that this is, and it's there's a lot of women, which is usually. A huge problem it especially is. for like high school theaters
1: you are not kidding
0: <laughs> we have like seven women and this one guy who <laughs> <laughs> i played a lot of men in high school
1: uh yep yep my daughter was just called back for four male parts oh I mean, dear uh, but it's the spongebob musical so oh it's... male Again, everybody's <laughs> kind of strange anyway so we'll see what happens with all of that that's but... fun but yeah, no, that's the, what one thing I love about this particular play is that it has such an openness to it about who can play stuff. And that's kind of a theme in Dungeons and Dragons. It's yeah. kind of an open invitation. You for can be what you want to be. Come play, mm-hmm. Any age, any race, any culture, any like what.
0: You can so- be the other type of, uh, That's okay. a great thing, right? You You get to pick what your personality traits are and what you who you mm-hmm. are, you get to idealize yourself, or you get to be a completely different person, a uh, completely different right. elf. Um,
1: <laughs> right. you don't have to be the way you think other people perceive you. Yeah. You get to, get yeah. to change that and let your it's, uh... you know, inner lion out, if that's what you need to do, <laughs> whatever it is, which, you know, I think we all need a little bit of that, because, yeah. um, you know, as a society, we tend to put people in boxes. It's true. And yeah. um, that's... Yeah, hurt, hurtful to and, a lot of people, well, and so limiting. And I think yeah. this play is, you know, and the character. The, the nice thing about the mm-hmm. this alternate reality is that they grow, right?
0: Yeah. When you complete oh, yeah.
1: quests and things, you level up. You get new skills. You get to acquire new new things, mm-hmm. and so there's this whole growth arc um, mm-hmm. that they can be on. But yet they're also still vulnerable to what can happen to them. Yeah. So it's um an interesting. You know, play within a play. Uh, Agree. It
0: kind of is. Has like a little. It's a story within its own story, and it's. You know, it's wonderful. Like the story inside of the story is very campy, and the story outside of the story is very serious and emotional. And I think it works really well together. Like it kind of just blends in a way that. um, That's really. I, I like it. Really helps me to go on that emotional
1: journey, right? To with right. the humor well, and, and it's the, a great reminder because I think people peg teenagers. You know they like give I give mean the short straw I've
0: watched euphoria yeah. I the way people see it <laughs> it's it's so, it's so terrible like
1: teenagers are you mm-hmm. know angsty and, and the angry song, exactly naive and they're not serious and they flip and they do all these silly things and they dress funny and they this you know blah, blah, yeah blah. and this is kind of a reminder um... You know, that that may be happening, but it's often a way of them processing of all the stuff that's going on inside.
0: Oh, gosh, I do not miss being a teenager.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's some seriously hard, hard stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, the nice thing is seeing who the characters in the game are based off of mm-hmm. in her, in Tilly's real life. Yeah. And you can see it's how she's processing and working through it. Her relationships yeah. with those people, with how she, people, yeah. And so it's, you know, it's a cathartic <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I love this play. I think this play is a fantastic, like it, we needed this play, right? Mm-hmm. As a theater community, we needed something that was so open and so goofy, but also had a really like strong heart to it, it could, could kind of. Right. I would watch this play over and over again.
1: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things when you're going to deal with some hard topics, which Mm -hmm. we have hard topics here because there's this, you know, the reality of the grief that is overwhelming for Agnes of not only did I not really know who my sister was, Mm -hmm. I will never get to know who she really was. I will never connect with that part of her because I missed it. Yeah. I just missed it. Well, yeah. I may learn about it, but I can't share it with her, which is the whole point. You can't
0: help her. You can't be with her. Yeah. I
1: can't. I can't. She's not going to get to look at me and see that I know who she is. Right. And that's all that any character ever wants is that recognition of, do you see me? Mm -hmm. Do you see who I really am?
0: Yeah. And 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 do you accept me? Do you love me still? Right.
1: she can't give that to her sister. mm -hmm. And so that's that whole huge... You know this huge thing of grief mm-hmm. and this really big point, which you know, she's learning it at, at what uh, Agnes is supposed to be 24. I, yeah, I so 24. That's still pretty young. That's a, a big, sure. big old lesson to be learning. Um, so there's that, and then you have the whole additional thing of uh, Tilly revealing um, her sexuality, yeah, in the game and all of these heavy hit, hitting issues. Which,
0: and in the nineties, like I'm sure like as a teenager in the 90s, ni- I do not know, but as a teenager in the nineties, being a gay woman would it's hard, right it's hard to I think it's still asking yeah oh I'm sure
1: I'm um, sure and I think the humor is what makes it it accessible, yeah, if you don't have the lightness and the humor, um people don't want to go there, yeah, it's really hard to 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 talk or it's about too
0: much and it and it just overwhelms your emotions and Rather That's than rather than giving you a taste of the emotions and helping you process them, yeah, it,
1: it gives you a, a break. So yeah, you, you, you hit you have the heavy stuff. and while you're digesting, let's have a little fun, right? And then right. okay, now you're ready for your next your next helping. That right, here it comes, and then you get another little bite, and you're moving through all of those things just as Agnes is, but you get a little respite in between. Right, you get to play, which I That's feel awesome. like is.
0: A thing that I miss a lot in, especially like very modern "quote unquote" edgy media, books, mm-hmm. TV is, is that that break right. in the middle of like tragedy. Right? It's we don't. Yeah.
1: No, the a lot of modern theater tends to to hit you hard mm-hmm. and just keep hitting, and it's yeah, really, it's really hard to digest,
0: and mm. and um. And I I mean, there's a place for that, I suppose, but it—I don't think that it has the impact that this does. Um,
1: Yeah, especially uh, I think what makes this more impactful is that I mean, you can have young adults doing this whole show easily. Oh yeah. But it makes it accessible for teens to do this show Mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, without the humor, I don't think a high school can produce the show and, and deal with these topics. Which they need to because these are very real things happening to teenagers. Absolutely. And so by adding the humor, it lets the people who are the same ages as the ones in the play have access to, to do it and to be these characters and mm-hmm. to um, not be overwhelmed by it.
0: Yeah. I. That's, yes, that's a very sweet, I, I love that. That's fantastic. I love that this, and this is being produced in, in high schools and community theaters and places where people kind of need that outlet. So that really makes me, that makes me really happy.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that yeah. point. Well, and, and, and you know, it's, um, oh gosh, I forgot the production year on it already. Oh. Um, 2011. So it's, it's, uh, 10, 11 years old. Okay, oh, wow, so, a whole
0: flipping decade. Yeah,
1: yeah. so you know, it, it has some staying power already. Yeah. And I think, um,
0: oh, I don't think this play's going anywhere.
1: I don't think so either. Um, there's kind of been a resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons as well. Um, uh, yeah, geek culture is
0: cool now, nerd yeah, culture. Know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, Dungeons and Dragons has come back and and I, I just I, I'm starting to like I feel like we shouldn't necessarily segregate all of like the nerdy stuff in, into I, I feel like we're getting away from that if that's I feel like what I'm saying is very <laughs> hard to understand. Okay, it, it, I feel like we're getting away from segregating things as nerdy um, in a way right. that's very healthy, a lot mm-hmm. a lot cooler, a lot greater. Yeah. This generation yeah. coming up, man you're so much better than I was
1: (laughs) well the acceptance that anybody can play Mm -hmm. that's the way Dungeons and Dragons has always been but that wasn't the reality of who was playing right now it's we are starting to see some change in those sort of things and I think it goes you know hand in hand with what's happened with all the Marvel movies and such because that used to be very much geek fringe if you Mm -hmm. were into comics and you knew all those crazy storylines of all those different (laughs) things that have you know yeah but now it's cool to it, love
0: iron, Man and, or iron Man. and everybody you know, knows it, all of it yeah everybody knows all of it,
1: and it used to be a fringe thing um, so I think that's a super cool thing that we are moving that way, and people are are, are finding that, hey, I enjoy this too yeah and um, it's and so you can open.
0: enjoy yeah. something without exactly
1: and you know it reminds me of um I don't know if you know the playwright Kate Hamill who's done the uh, Jane Austen adaptation.
0: Okay, I was going
1: to say it's familiar, but okay. I do not. So she writes adaptations of the Jane Austen novels for okay. stage. Sure. And they are like, out-of-this-world crazy. but She pulls all the humor out of it and pokes oh, fun of it. And, and, I mean, you know, Mr. Darcy doing the worm kind of thing. Oh. It's like <laughs> it, everyone is taken to the, you know, nth degree of exaggerated of their mm-hmm. character, and it's hilarious. And, you know, it's the and the way they stage the things. And, you know, oh, and it was raining, and they poured the bucket of water over the person's head. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> you know it, it's just... Um, and a lot of people who would never want to see a period drama, yawn, yawn, mm-hmm. that's not for me, but it still uses a lot of the original language okay. and make people come out of it going, oh my God, that was so funny. Yeah. I loved that. Because you're having fun with it. And so it's it's the same sort of thing that we're finding now is that people are finding bridges to all these different parts of culture that they thought they didn't like. Yeah. But just by it being presented in a different way, they go, hey, I did enjoy that. I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I, I think it's kind of part of a, a bigger a bigger movement there and I hope it continues on that trajectory because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of fun to be had in fantasy worlds. And it's not Agreed. silly. It's not to be dismissed. There's a lot of um, potential for really great storylines, yeah. a lot of heart. A lot of um, I love you know, yeah real human um, experience, even if it's through non-human characters. Sure,
0: right. And you know, sometimes it's more powerful and and easier to. It's easier for people outside of uh, like sometimes I think a, a non-human character or a non-real mm-hmm. scenario is more mm-hmm. impactful and can have more of a teaching power to it. Um, right. I. I I produced, a, I produced a sci-fi play two years ago now, three years ago now, called Chalk, and it was about a mother and... Like, at its core, it's about a mother and a daughter, right? Um, but it, it's, like, under the guise of this whole apocalyptic scenario. So mm. it's got a... I mean, and I think that goes back to this play, where it's, like, this is a play about a woman processing her sister's death under the, like... Under the guise of a Dungeons and Dragons fantasy adventure. That's just
1: the tool that she uses to access more information. And I think that
0: sci-fi and fantasy are great storytelling tools that can really unlock some really interesting, uh, cathartic, emotional, and empathetic places in our
1: in our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I hope I hope the public will continue to to give things a chance that they thought were not for them. Absolutely, and find that you know when it all boils down to it, it's it's all very a real connecting story for all of us, regardless of what the genre is. Mm-hmm. And if you can find those moments in it and um, and relate to those characters, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to tell me about the play that you suggested for me, The Revolutionists? Oh. Yeah, tell me about The okay, Revolutionist, um, just a little bit. Okay,
1: um, I hope I can get all the stuff right in my head. Here, oh, the <laughs> nave, I'm going to mess up some of the names. That's there. okay, just as okay. uh, so, no just spoilers. The, the premise is um, we're in Revolutionary France. Okay. And um, there is um, uh, a playwright mm-hmm. um, that's been, been working um, and encounters uh, these different people. One is someone who is um on uh on the side of the, the revolution okay um and actually ends up murdering one of the leaders of the cuz the, there's mm. the first stage of the revolution and then there's when the revolution goes off yeah. its uh, wheels and gets really crazy and starts yeah. killing everybody I mean, yeah right so there's that the really Weird guy that has all the skin ulcers that has to stay in the bathtub to soak them and all of that. Mm. She actually kills him in the bathtub. Okay. So there's him, and then there's Marie Antoinette. Okay. Um, who is famous? Exactly, and is detached from reality as can be. Um, and they find a way to make this person sympathetic. Which oh, okay. Is really interesting. Yeah. Um. And um. Ooh. Is. It is, um, it's one of those where you get, you get bits of history mm-hmm. um, and you're looking at real characters, Charlotte Corday. there we go, All right, that's one of them. <laughs> My brain's coming back to it now. Um, so there's, you get these real historical figures, mm-hmm. but, you know, they breathe life into them it's not just the, the... You know, like you would read in the history book of what they did, the fact of... The book. Yeah. You, you get the in-between moments. That's what the play does. Is it oh. gives you the connection, you know, and it pretends that they meet each other. They didn't really all meet. Right. And so it, it has, you know... Okay. A, a layer of, of um, fiction about it because these women didn't really all meet. But um, it pretends they did, and this... Um, kind of sisterhood, this connection and and sympathy and empathy that they have for each other in each of their own dilemma Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen to each of them is really touching. I'm excited about it. Because, you know, when you read about historical figures in the past, you just pretty much, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. Right. This is kind of, you know, it gives you that pause of that moment of when they know what's coming Mm -hmm. and having to come to terms with it and when they have to make big decisions Right. No. Um, it humanizes them in a really interesting way. I think that's great. And, and and like she kills monsters, it has some great humor because I'm sorry, stories <laughs> about the guillotine are not exactly <laughs> um, whimsical. No, no. But the, you know, it it Im- it's um, it's got a layer of humor. It's Good. Got, it's injected with with bits of moments that are fun. Mm-hmm. So that you can digest the heavy parts, yeah, um but it it does have some some heavy heavy parts, but I mean, um, can you write a play about the French Revolution
0: without heavy parts um, okay, <laughs> it's so that's a rough yeah. Uh...
1: yeah, so it's you know um yeah. in, in, it's interesting um in the, in that it it humanizes the characters mm-hmm. and um and the, their connections to each other make it um, a really powerful Ooh. play. Okay. And, I, and I, you like, you know, seeing, um, you can't hit, you I mean, you know what's going to happen, but you find yourself sitting there hoping. Uh, yeah. You, 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 you can't, you can get out of this. You can, you know, come on, come on, safer. And it's like, mm-hmm. what am I saying? Why not?
0: i I do that all the time with good that Mm -hmm. much
1: to where you're really rooting for them um sure so that's you know that's some really good writing
0: yeah awesome Um, that's exciting it's a
1: a fun it's a fun um play and um i do believe it's a complete female cast that's fantastic um and they're all very different i mean you've got Mm -hmm. the badass assassin all the way to the Queen of France right and so they're all very very different Okay, and that um, is pretty cool
0: yeah that is pretty cool um, how can we support you like what do you got going on
1: um, well um, I would say that um, dramaturgy is it's been around forever but it's still mm-hmm. kind of an emerging thing I think a, especially on the community theater level mm-hmm. um, it's an add-on And I would encourage anyone producing a show that has the -hmm. ability to add a dramaturg, Sure. um, ...that they should consider doing it. It adds a richness to the experience for both um, the actors and artistic team and Mm -hmm. for the audience. It just takes it another level. Sure. Um, And so I think um, having an awareness of what a a dramaturg can add to your production... Mm -hmm. um, is something that you know, is a message I still keep, you know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse often. I'm i like, you know, behind you. Know, you. <laughs> you know, there's, it's, um, it adds so much mm-hmm. and there's so much, you know, and, it, and especially because community theater is made up of so many people who work day jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so they don't always have time to do massive amounts of research mm-hmm. behind everything. And so having that, given to you where it's like here let me tell you all these all these little references in the play let me tell you what's behind yeah. that what does that mean where does what is this you know mm-hmm. little, you know and the significance of it mm-hmm. and so it, um it's such a help I think and people uh, often at the community theater level are just used to working without it so they don't know what they're missing
0: yeah I mean not just. I mean, everywhere is kind of an emerging art everywhere. Yeah, um, I just kind of
1: Village Theater was making a commitment to um, to dramaturgy. Awesome. Than, um, on a greater level, I mm-hmm. think than what they've they've done before, and, and uh, it is an important. It's an mm-hmm. added layer that you know it's great. I I enjoy doing it, and um, I think. Everybody can can benefit from it. There's there's more to these plays than just mm-hmm. what you get on the surface reading. I agree. Yeah. And um, you know, audience members don't, you know, who's going to, you know, take it <laughs> unless it's there in the program. Oh, look, here's something mm-hmm. from the
0: drama. You got Uh-oh. the lobby What's display. It?
1: Like, yeah. um, I saw, I if you know Lady Windermere's fan, Oscar Wilde. Yes. Well, this. And no, not okay. very well, well, but yes. <laughs> it's a lovely play. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's set in, the, you know, in quite far in the past, and the women use the little hand fans. Mm-hmm. Well, Guess what? There was specific etiquette about how you used your fan, how you held it, where you held it and, mm-hmm. and, and to your uh, What you were saying with it. And, with you, it. and mm-hmm. there was a whole language of yeah. Well, without a dramaturge to explain mm-hmm. all that, to tell you all those little... There's so many jokes in the play that unless you know mm-hmm. what they're doing with their fan, <laughs> you miss it. Yeah. And so there's, you know, that's just an example. So I would say... Um, Urging people to, to consider using a dramaturg more um, would I think would make theater more fun for everybody.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, what do you have coming up? Like, what shows have you um, been working on?
1: Um, I'm working on the Nerd at Taproot. Okay. It's um, a dramaturg that comes out in May. Um, I'm working on the Cake at As If Theater in Kenmore. That's oh wow. In March, and um, then um, Hay Fever is going to be at um, Indie. Um, theater on Bainbridge Island in June, I believe. Okay. June is when it opens. Wow. It June, maybe July. Summer, sometime. Either S- this late, summer. Late, late June. It, on Bainbridge late June, Island. July. Yeah, I'm not sure what the exact dates are on that one. So those are the the things I'm working on That's at the great. moment.
0: That's You've got like a full a full plate here.
1: Oh, there's always room for more, <laughs> um, especially you know. It's like having another, you know, another child. Your heart makes room.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, um, Great. Well, thank you so thank much you. for yeah. for coming here and meeting me and talking about this. Yeah, I'm and really um, I don't
1: know if it's already closed, but She Kills Monsters was playing in Marysville just at least last week.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I'm sure it's keep, it's playing somewhere. Keep an
1: eye somewhere. out, it'll, it'll be back somewhere soon, I'm sure. Somewhere soon.
0: It, yeah, I watched it at um Shmi. Before Please. that closed down, that was where my last saw it.
1: Yeah, great. All right,
0: Marysville, thanks. Red Curtain, right? That's what they called them. Yes, called. Red, curtain. Red Curtain. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye.